What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, all you silly Swifties? It's your amigo, Kevin Goatee, gutting the sacred cow. And, well, you know I love Spielberg. Chris Woolsey comes on to discuss why he thinks Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the movie that made over a billion dollars in today's time is an overrated film that is oft copied, but man does not hold up. And you know, I had to have my man bun wearing compatriot, Kevin Israel. He doesn't have a man bun. Stop it. To sit in as guest co-host and, you know, just kick it another time and hear about why Spielberg missed the mark. And by the way, make sure you stay tuned for the end of the episode as we have a doozy of an announcement. Talk to you later. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah. The vet gets them wet. Kevin Israel. Can you oh, go two for two in one uh, night? Oh, I know that one. Uh, I'm trying to think of movie. What what movie had a Corvette? Uh, Corvette Summer. Corvette I, Summer. You know what? I, I just watched that movie. That's a weird fucking oh, movie. I never I saw it. <laughs> I remember being so disappointed as a child. <laughs> Because I was like, it's got Luke Skywalker. This is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I saw it. I was like, this is horrible. I watched. I watched it because I'm 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 a car nut, and I saw that it was a Corvette that was right hand drive, and I was like, I need to find out what that's about. And they never explain it in the movie. <laughs> well, anyway, like I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, know Chris Woolsey returns after triumphantly. Attacking, I don't know if he succeeded. I forgot. I shouldn't say triumphantly. I don't recall the, the results of that. Casino Royale, the first James Bond film I think we did on this podcast. Oh, first or second? I was triumphant. I oh. was 
check the numbers, pal. <laughs> I don't know what the judges had to say. I'll have to go back and check the tape. Chris Woolsey, the vet gets some wet is from what film? You got me. Kevin Israel, you're going to kick yourself in the ding ding because we just talked Wait, about can this. Wait, can you character. give me a quit? Give me, give me, ah, sh- yeah. I'm going to say, give me a hint, but go ahead. Just, just fucking put me out it's of my misery. True <laughs> Lies with Bill Paxton. Ah. We were just talking about Bill Paxton because he just did Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. And Bill Paxton is in that. <laughs> I used to be in acting class with his dad, John. So his dad was like a multimillionaire lumber baron who retired and decided he wanted to become an actor. And so he was like the oldest actor in Hollywood, but the nicest guy on the planet. Wow. I yeah. wonder if when he dropped that last <laughs> lumber piece of l- lumber, he said, game over, man, game over. See, I have to <laughs> shoot two, that in. Two episodes in a row. <laughs> oh, that's one of the best quotes. Oh, thank you very much. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, Chris Woolsey returns, as I had said. Chris has chosen a film. It, it took me 0.3 seconds to say absolutely when he's decided to propose Close Encounters of the Third Kind. This ha- this. 2001 and Star Wars have to be the holy trinity of sci-fi films that people want to try and attack and actually have attacked two of the three of two of you both of them done been done already and here we now have close encounters of the third kind and well we are going to get into it 1977 came out the same year Star Wars did so and I'll actually have a fun fact about that a budget at the time of 19.4 million dollars a box office hall, $306.9 million. Turn that into 2023 wow. money. Israel strapped down. $98.4 million budget, $1.55 billion. With a B. There goes, you know, the Black Panther Endgame yeah, money. Titanic and Avatar. Wowzer. IMDb, gentlemen, one through ten with decimal places. Chris Woolsey, what do you think Close Encounters of the Third Kind scored on IMDb? I'm going to guess 8.9. 8.9. Kevin Israel. 9.5. 7.6. Oh, wow. Ooh. I understand you guys shooting for the stars. Ha! Rotten yeah. Tomato. I'm going to shoot myself and, and live, die, repeat for that next joke. Call back. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, 1 through 100. Scale, kids. Kevin Israel, critics, Rotten Tomatoes. What did Close Encounters? I, I got to go. I got to go high again. I'm going to go 94. 94. Chris Woolsey. 91. One of you has won both showcases by being dead nuts. On that, of course, is... Kevin Israel, 94. Brushing it. Look at you. Chris Woolsey, audience, same score, one through same scale, excuse me, one through 100. Audience. 86. Kevin Israel. 87. Yeah, I both did. Of you, both of you <laughs> are just so right there. 85. 85. Ah. <laughs> so Chris takes that by a pube. Quotes. All right, everybody to bed. No way. Dad said we could finish watching the Ten Commandments. Roy, that movie is four hours long. I told him they can only watch five commandments. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed. It's Kevin cute. Israel, quotes. Just one. Dun 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 dun. 
Chris, so really anything he, else? No. Well, we'll find out from Chris what he thought, but let's hear it. There's a dead fly in my potatoes. <laughs> so apparently, if you listen carefully, Richard Dreyfuss's daughter says that because there actually was a dead fly in the potatoes <laughs> on the plate and she improved it. God bless that child. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Five fun facts. Oh, Israel, you know my love for this one. The people people offer the role before Dreyfus. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six people, all A-list, all A-list at the time. Go. Both of you. Ah, I hate this game. <laughs> Harrison Ford. No. He probably was. Alan Alden. No. You can't give up. This really is. Yeah. There are at least three slam dunks on here. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Three. The other three are uh, they're up there, but you're like, all right, okay, I, I understand now. Roy Scheider. <laughs> no, but that's funny. <laughs> I I just can't think of any actors right now from that time. You're going to need a bigger mashed potato spoon. No. <laughs> the first one was Steve McQueen. Which I didn't expect you guys uh, to know that one. But then he went to Spielberg, went to Dustin Hoffman, Al Pacino, Jack I Nichol- would n- yeah. never uh, guess that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a spaceship. Why am I doing Maniscalco? <laughs> never mind. Jack, Jack Nicholson, Gene oh, Hack. Jesus. Yeah. Well, we got to go to Devil's Tower. Gene Hackman and James Kahn. And the reason why Dreyfus got the part? Because he worked with Spielberg on Jaws. So that's why I laughed when you said Scheider. And apparently he annoyingly badgered him for months to get the role. It's how these, a lot of these guys, that's how they get it. I mean, yeah. one, all these guys keep showing up, mailing stuff in. What was my, what, the most recent one I thought was really fun was um, Jonah Hill trying to work with Scorsese and Wolf of Wall Street. Said, goes, dude, I'll work for SAG minimum. And he did. Yeah, absolutely. Number two, Spielberg partly based on the Solfagus system, like I'm going to pronounce that right, of musical education a year, a year before shooting began to get that tone, the chord right. John Williams, the perfect composer, the greatest of all time. I will not listen to any arguments. Otherwise, he wanted a seven note sequence, but it was too long for the simple greeting that Spielberg wanted. The composer enlisted a mathematician to calculate the number of five-note combinations that could potentially make a 12-note scale. That number proved to be upwards of 134,000 combinations. John Williams, with infinite patience, whittled it down to 100 distinct versions, and they kept whittling down the combinations until one by one, then they got a winner. Wow. Wow. Right, that a year ahead, a year ahead. Forget you know set design and costumes and cast. It's that goddamn tone, and that's why. Well, it's interesting because the 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 score for the movie was actually scored before the film was edited. Right, and they used the they used the score to edit the film rather than vice versa, which is what they usually do. Right. Spielberg and his buddy George Lucas had movies coming out the same year. Lucas's film Star Wars. 
Lucas thought his ramshackle space movie would not make it back its budget, and he knew his new friend's movie would break box office records just like Jaws had done. So they all had a little wager. Both agreed to give the other 2.5% of the profits of their respective films. Lucas grossly underestimated his movie, which went on to be the second highest grossing film of all time (laughs) if adjusted for inflation. And in comparison, Close Encounters is 71. The difference ended up being... $40 $40 million. <laughs> That's just stupid money. Eep. Isn't it? Spielberg was originally making Close Encounters for a summer 78 release, which would give him a few months to work on the edit. However, Columbia Pictures was buried in debt and facing bankruptcy. It needed the movie to come out in 1977's holiday season, which forced Spielberg to rush through post-production. The director would say, Later on, cutting the last 35 minutes was the most arduous experience of his life. The rush editing process prompted Spielberg to release a director's cut later down the line. Hmm. Another 35 minutes of this film. Yep. Who did Steven Spielberg reach out to first to play Roy's wife, Ronnie? I'll tell you because you're not going to guess. A then unknown Yale drama school grad, Jersey girl, Meryl Streep. Wow. But he chose Terry Gar. Why? Because he saw her in a coffee commercial and loved the way she was able to convey a wide range of emotions in a 30 second clip. Those coffee commercials. But if you can they convey, get deep. Yeah. But if you can convey how great Folgers taste in 30 seconds and pretend to like that shit, you deserve an Emmy or an Oscar or a Tony. Pick your poison. Was she a screaming shrew in the coffee commercial too? <laughs> she, uh, she 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 took her notes from uh, what's her face in The Shining, Kevin Israel's favorite film. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna go right to the fans because they got Q's. We've got A's, and by A's I mean asses. Meow. Time for ass a gutter. At Rex Crumb, knowing that Richard Dreyfus was beaked out of his mind during much of the 70s, what are the chances he thought the mashed potatoes was a pile of cocaine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could be. It could be. Stephen, right. Stephen King didn't remember writing The Shining, so yeah. uh, it could very well be that uh, Richard Dreyfus's performance was uh, just, a, just an odd fever dream of his. I then poked out there, uh, him and Rick James in a cocaine war, who wins? And Rex Crumb says, <laughs> Rick James did Super Freak. Rich Dreyfus did the goodbye girl. Probably go with Rick, but Rich was in the building. I mean, it was 50-50 <laughs> at minimum. <laughs> right. Now, by the way, his kid is in uh, Jaws as Chief Brody's son as well. Did you know that? One, the, the, yeah. one, the one, if you see when he's in the water and the shark eats the one person and he goes right by him from the first person uh, point of view. The kid in the water freaking out, that that's his kid. Huh. Didn't know that until three hours ago. At Delvin Cox, my question is to Kevin Israel. So Kevin Goatee hates the last dragon. So my question is, how long have you been friends with a racist? Four smiling face emojis. I write back. <laughs> Your horrendous taste in film miraculously continues to worsen. I, I don't understand where that question came from. Because he well because he posted something about the, oh he goes oh I was out and I and I was at a screening of the Last Dragon go that movie fucking stinks no. and yeah it's terrible listen right. I understand I understand it's one of those bad good films but that is just bad bad 
Speaking of, you know what I watched about for about 18 minutes the other day? I never saw, never saw until the other day, Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo, and I understand why <laughs> I had an embargo on it because it is beyond terrible. I know I've seen it, but I don't remember anything about it. You know what I did know? Ice-T sings on one of the songs in that film. I go, no, it's not. That's not. I look up and go, I'm right. Thank you, Kevin. Next one, at a pedestrian, Mr. Holland's opus ruined Dreyfus for everyone, right? I don't know. I thought Mr. Holland's opus was all right. I didn't hate it. I remember liking it. I, it's fine. Yeah, at Lord Slur- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Un- Go ahead, Chris. Unmoved, unmoved one way or the other. I was... Right. Nonplussed. That's the word I think yeah. we were looking for, right? Sweet. At Lord Snurts. Never seen the movie, and I don't have time this morning to track it down, so I'm skipping predictions. Gutter question. What's your favorite and least favorite Spielberg film? Ooh. Ooh, do we have... I have answers. Hmm. Uh, do you know? Do you need a moment to ponder that one, fellas? My my favorite, without a doubt, is Jaws. <clears throat> no fault in that logic. I'm with you. My least favorite. There, there are a few. I got to tell you, I I, I want to preface everything I say by saying that Spielberg is probably the most consistent director, probably my favorite director of all time. That being said, um, 1941 is unwatchable. Um, AI is not not great i didn't uh, mind ai i understand why people didn't like it. It, it, it it i thought it was fine i didn't hate it yeah but i i wasn't on that I, but i hear you i hear you i can i can always is a snoozer never saw that another dreyfus yeah. one right he's dreyfus was in that too yeah. right forgot that's right wow didn't know that yeah all right well jaws Ready player one Oh, you stole mine. I hate yeah. that film. <laughs> Fucking hate that film. It's bad. The book's not good either. Oh, you're I mean, so. Oh, no, 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 no. I love the book. It's got fun elements to it. Oh, no. But like, I just, I don't know. I Ready Player it, One is one of my, is, if it's it's in my top three favorite books of all time. I love it. And what he did to that film was pure sacrilege. It was really bad. Yeah, was, people yeah. die in the book. But of course, he had the Spielberg that shit. And have them live. Sorry, spoiler alert. Someone goes, oh, wait, really? Go, yeah, it's been out for 10 years, just about. I will also throw in the mix. How'd you guys forget this one? Indiana Jones and yeah, the that's... Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is garbage. Because I had convinced myself that it didn't exist. Yeah. So I argued. At one point, my, my son came home from school and he had got in an argument with his friends that the movie was just an urban legend because I had told him that so many times <laughs> that I didn't want to watch it with him that he thought it was true. I wish it was I think, true. I think my least favorite of his is probably War of the Worlds. You didn't like that, did you? Mm-mm. I thought oh, I, I thought that was a decent. I it, it's Jaws. Jaws is one A and E T is one B, and then you can throw in even Crusade is one C. It, it's it's a pretty solid trinity right there for me. Next, at Joe Loves Cam, why did Spielberg make Dreyfus the lead despite supporting his actor? What? Despite, oh, despite his supporting actor looks and energy question. He doesn't really look like a blue collar worker either. How does he stay a leading man for over 10 years after this? Note, I'm a fan. I think he's a great actor. Okay, there. that's it. So why do you think Spielberg made him a, uh, a leading guy despite his non-leading looks and demeanor? I don't know. I have the same question. I, every time Dreyfus is the, and I think he's a phenomenal actor too, but every time he's the lead in the movie, I'm always waiting for his best friend to show up and take over the action. And it never happens. <laughs> the, the credits just start rolling. And I'm like, wait, 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 isn't this, 
best friend supposed to come in and lead the show? But no. You mean like yeah. Bill Murray and what about Bob? <laughs> well, we can't talk about that because Bill Murray is Bill Murray. Bill Murray's made a lot of clunkers. He's not he's not absolved from his sins. Uh, no. no, he's made a lot of clunkers. What was that one with the elephant? Uh, Dumbo drop? Oh, Dumbo yeah. drop, yeah. Uh, Stripes overrated right out here. Way overrated. It's two different movies. It is. We 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 just didn't. When did we talk we about did, that game? We, we we did in the podcasts. We did, we did right? Film, yeah. The first half, fantastic. The yep. second half, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. as fantastic. The jokes are very okay. spaced oh, yeah, out. That. Not a very not dated. a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan. Agreed. Agreed. That'll do it for Ask a Gutter. And of course, hey, no, no one listens to the end of podcasts. That's why we do our plugs in the beginning. Kevin Israel, let's go to you first for the change. Let's throw a little curveball. What do you got? As always, as always, KevinIsrael.com for my upcoming dates and shows and whatever else I have going on. Uh, I should have a pretty good uh, late winter or early spring, so come out to some comedy. Cool. Chris Wilsey, Thanks. Wolsey, excuse me. What's going on at Cracked? Crackle. Uh, we got all kinds of stuff going on at Crackle. Yeah, we got uh, originals and holiday films and everything. Whatever you're looking for, and it's always free. At Crackle, we uh, also have Redbox free streaming as well. So there's thousands of movies on Redbox free streaming. So swing on by and check it out. And while you're checking that out, check out writing a review while you watch a film of Gutting the Sacred Cow on your favorite podcast platform. That was a long way to get to that, wasn't it? Jesus Christ, Kevin, you're better at editing than that. Gutting the Sacred Cow at gmail.com. You can advertise with us. And, of course, GTSE Podcast. Hey everyone, let's talk about something everyone needs to get better on, especially me, and that's organization. Smart labels. You buy their QR codes on Amazon. You take one of those labels, slap it on a storage bin, and then scan it with the app. So then all you have to do is catalog what you're putting into that bin. So it's letting your future self know down the road all you have to do, search in the app when you want one thing, and it's going to tell you exactly where it is. No more rummaging through all these cardboard boxes and ripping stuff apart and where is in my closet or storage units, none of that nonsense. All you do, slap a sticker on the box, Smart Label app's gonna tell you what you documented is going in there, and then pow, no more searching around. It is a big help for organization skills organizing magic that's what this is get your smart labels qr code stickers today on amazon that's smart labels check them out get organized and of course at kevin goatee don't forget fantasy football jibber jabber we give the best goddamn fantasy football advice as well as nfl bets give that a looky loo chris woolsey it's time to hear you sculpt a, a mashed potatoes argument on why you hate close encounters of the third kind and be smirching one of this country's finest directors ever to grace this planet. Kevin Israel, let's have Chris Woolsey gut, gut the, the sacred, sacred cow. Cow. Are you fucking with me or is the delay that bad? It must be, it must be, my, it must be my delay because this was dead on for me. <laughs> well, when you hear the episode, it's not, but that's cool. That would make this, that's what makes this podcast so unique. Chris, the floor is yours. All right. Uh, again, this, this is one of my favorite directors of all time. Um, <clears throat> also, I want to preface it by saying this is not the worst movie of all time, but that being said, it is 
probably one of the most overrated films of all time. Uh, I remember being underwhelmed as a, as a child. And when I revisited it as an adult, I was even more underwhelmed. And um, yeah, just <clears throat> watching it again, I it's, it's it, it, the whole film feels like a cautionary tale for bad parenting. Just every scene <laughs> with children in there, I'm like, can someone please step in and save these kids? Like, um, you know, okay, so first we start with the the planes in the desert. We've we've got Flight 19, which is a a um uh, you know a very famous paranormal event when uh uh Flight 19 disappeared off the coast of Florida and uh never to be found again. <clears throat> and um in in this story, uh we see Flight 19 in the desert, and luckily. It's never explained to us why it's there or how it got there. It's completely disconnected from the rest of the film. Uh, we, we assume it has something to do with the UFOs that we eventually learn about, but who knows? Who knows? Um, we then, uh, you know, go in and we meet um, Richard Dreyfuss's character uh, and his family. And it's, it's all fairly chaotic. Um, everyone's screaming at each other. Uh, he and and uh, Terry Gar, who is adorable, by the way, she's uh, sure a phenomenal was. actress. She, yeah. What's that? I said she sure was. Have you seen yeah. pictures? Have you seen pictures of recently though? Time is a bitch. I heard time catches up with us all. Absolutely, she's she's still adorable inside to me. <laughs> uh, and um, you know, she was the mom from Mr. Mom. Uh, very fetching in that film as well. Um, and you know, they're, they sort of, it's just this sort of chaotic household and, uh, Richard Dreyfus runs off, uh, to a work emergency. And while he's out there, he spots <clears throat> three UFOs, gives chase. Um, by the way, uh, interesting note, Spielberg toyed with the idea of doing CGI for the UFOs. This was actually the first film that would have had CGI in it. And uh, he rejected it because he said it looked too crappy and then would come to fully embrace it uh, later in his career. But in Indiana Jones and the King of the Crystal Skull with a nuclear <laughs> a little warhead. too fully. Yeah. Exactly. Going going yeah, down he, the side of a hill in the refrigerator like that kind of CGI and the monkeys kind of, and the monkeys uh, fighting on their bound Jeeps. Yeah. That CGI got abused and abused. Yes, it did. Indeed. Indeed. So, um, yeah, so you know he he spots the UFOs uh, in this scene, and uh, I don't know. I feel like Jaws was so successful because you you didn't see the shark until halfway through the film, and in this one you you see the UFOs in like the second scene in the film, and uh, well, like the third scene. But like I don't know, it just sort of it lost a lot of its steam when you went, oh, this is all UFOs, because then you have the scenes with. Um, uh, Melinda Dillon's character, um, who again is a cautionary tale in parenting because her kid wanders off like every 15 minutes after having <laughs> this our pseudo demonic episode in the house where the toys are all operating on their own and pots and pans are flying up in the air. And, and yet she's not keeping a close eye and he wanders off into the cornfield and lo and behold, he's gone. <laughs> um, so again, more, more cautionary parenting. Um, very strange. 
And then you get these sort of weird esoteric scenes where both uh, her and Richard Dreyfus are having different sort of uh, spiritual experiences that they can't quite explain. Uh, Richard Dreyfus takes shaving cream and is forming some sort of a mound in his hand. And then uh, later on, you know, you talk about the the mashed potatoes, which is a very, very famous scene. And then he goes on to uh, build a full scale representation of uh, the devil's tower uh, in the kitchen. Um, and yet we don't quite ever connect any of these things with the actual event uh, that, that we end up seeing uh, at, at the devil's tower. There's sort of these like... Um, just disparate events, set pieces that Spielberg uh, thought looked cool. Later, we see, uh, like Flight 19, there's a ship that's found in the middle of the desert. Um, ends up, it's actually a really a real ship as well. It was a ship that sunk uh, also off the coast uh, of Florida, and it appears in the middle of the desert. Again, no explanation as to how it got there. We assume it has something to do with UFOs, but uh, don't actually ever know uh, why it's connected. <clears throat> and it, at all of these events, we have uh, Francois Truffaut, uh, the character that he plays. So he's a very famous uh, French film director that uh, directed a ton of films uh, that I will never watch again. And um, <laughs> and and so he's like uh, he's supposed to be some sort of a UFO expert. Uh, engineer slash communications expert, and yet he he can't speak English. Um, so you know you you got a communications expert <laughs> speak the language of the people that are working on the problem. So that that's a bit of a problem. Um, but he's in uh, a lot of this film, and uh, apparently took a, a a card from Brando and is actually reading his lines off a card that's propped up on the camera because his English uh was so terrible um even though several times so he speaks french throughout <laughs> almost the entire film uh with no subtitles so we're supposed to figure out what exactly it is he's saying in these scenes um richard dreyfus does translate or i'm sorry not richard dreyfus the other guy uh does translate some of them for us and then he busts out with like six or eight english sentences so he clearly speaks english and yet for whatever reason uh, Spielberg thought it would be a great idea to just have him speak French uh, through most of the film so that none of us can actually understand. And what here, he is. and here you defended the French. He was a slow rolling son of a bitch, that frog. He surrendered so quickly. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. But um, so, yeah, so uh, it, it, uh, Richard Dreyfus starts losing his mind. Uh, and, and, you know, every scene in this movie is basically just two people screaming at each other at the top of their lungs. Um, the kids uh, have no idea what's going on. Mom and dad, dad's losing his mind. Mom is a, a shrill shrew who's just uh, screaming at him the entire time. At one point, she's packing her bags. And uh, when Richard Dreyfus is losing her mind, uh, his mind and uh, they they and she's trying to get him into the car. And they're like, where are we going, mom? And I'm like, I hope you're going to the new dad shop because the one that you've got is losing his junk. Um, but so she <laughs> sounds, takes like an, off. sounds like an Italian household. Right. Yeah. Lots of screaming. <laughs> lots of infidelity. Yeah. No, uh, no, no, no chasing of a rolling pin trying to smash him over the head. There should have somebody should have hit him. That's yeah. for sure. 
Um, and so, uh, as as we said, Melinda Dillon's character's uh, the son, uh, who is Barry, I believe his name was. Yeah, Barry. Yep. Um, who is apparently such a good child actor that Spielberg dubbed him One Take Guffrey. Uh, his his real name was Carrie Guffrey. And um, had a t-shirt printed that said One Take Guffrey on it. Uh, so he was uh, apparently a really good actor and um, was cast as the little boy in The Shining. Um, but ended up he couldn't do it because he had conflicts with a previously signed contract. So um, I thought that was interesting. It would have drastically <laughs> changed that film. Uh, I think, I don't know who the kid was that ended up in The Shining, but he was spectacular. He so. sucked. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so Richard Dreyfuss's character uh, eventually meets up with uh, Melinda Dillon's character. Um, or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Jillian. Um, and they have this connection because they both have this sort of weird attraction to the UFO. Uh, she's having like dreams and visions and he's having whatever he's having with the mashed potatoes and the shaving cream. And so, because, but his wife thinks she's nuts. This woman thinks that, you know, there's something to it. We don't know anything about her. The only thing we know about her is the fact that she had a child at one point that she ignores from time to time and lets him wander into the cornfield. That's all we, we, we learn zero about her character. We have no idea who she is, no idea what she does. Um, she's just a foil for Richard Dreyfuss's uh, bizarre activities. Um, mm -hmm. Everything in this film just feels completely and totally scattered. Like <clears throat> Spielberg was just sitting... Uh, so he he did not write the original script. Actually, Paul Schrader, uh, who wrote Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, wrote the original script. And then uh, apparently at some point Spielberg got in there and started making changes and made so many changes that Paul Schrader just said, forget it. I'm taking my name off it. It's your script. And Spielberg said, OK, great. And he put his name on it. And uh, that's kind of how that went. And I feel like if Schrader had stayed on, there may, may have been uh, a little more cohesiveness to the story, but um, he bid the production adieu and um, Spielberg was left to his own devices. But I just feel like, um, and again, like the uh, the India scene with all the people chanting um, in Hindu, by the way, they're chanting, he has come. Who this he is, we oh. don't know. We know that there was some sort of a sound that they were reacting to. Did the aliens get out of the ship? No idea. No idea. We don't know. We're not told. Um, and so these things keep going. Uh, Richard Dreyfus uh, and Jillian um, eventually team up, and they uh, the government has some sort of a, a a fake thing that they've done where they're trying to uh, corner off the Devil's Tower area, and so they come up with this story that there's been a gas leak from a, from a train and um, they uh, corn off the area with the military and they don't let anybody in there. So Richard Dreyfuss and, um, or Roy, I should say, and Jillian team up, they smash through uh, the, the gates in his station wagon and they drive up, they get out of the car and they start trying to head uh, on foot uh, towards the uh, towards uh, Devil's Tower, they're grabbed by the authorities. 
they're put into a, a holding area. And then uh, like everything else in this film, uh, they're ignored and they're able to take off on their own. So they go running, uh, even though they're surrounded by hundreds of armed soldiers and government officials, and yet they're able to make their easily make their way to uh, the Devil's Tower, <clears throat> where they begin to climb in order to get somewhere. Now, again, this is a huge problem I have with this film. Are they climbing onto the plateau of the Devil's Tower? Are they climbing inside of the Devil's Tower? Are they climbing behind the Devil's Tower? We don't know. We have no idea. They, they never give you a shot that gives you the context of where that base is. And by the time they climb far enough to see the base, it's pitch dark. So you don't know if they're actually inside, like it's a volcano, or if they're on top of it, like it's a plateau, or if they're on the far side of it. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's, that, uh, felt, that felt very, you only live twice-ish. We were scaling the mountain to go down. And how do we get here? Exactly. Um, and so while they're, while they're climbing, uh, the, the UFOs return and start kind of hovering around. Um, I also found it very funny that they've corned off like a five mile ring around the, the peak. And yet there's hundreds of UFOs hovering like a mile and a half above it. Like no one outside of the five miles is going to see this, right. even though there were already like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of witnesses uh, from the first scene that Richard Dreyfus sees them and, and they go roaring through um, these fully populated towns. Um, so they get to the base and then uh, they have, you know, the obviously the famous scene with the, the five note uh, signal, which brings them in. Uh, when and, and again, more confusion, because at one point, the, the mothership looks like it's a little bit smaller than the top of the uh, Devil's Tower. But then there's another shot where the thing is gigantic and it looks like it's about 50 football fields and then it lands on the landing strips. So you don't actually know if it went inside the mountain or on top of it or behind it or whatever. Um, and then the, the gate opens up and a bunch of people come pouring out, uh, including the little boy who hopefully uh, Child Protective Services quick, quickly snatches up and <laughs> gives to, gives to there's a, a there's, an there's an extraction team right there. We heard, man, exactly. we're, we're part of Dyfus. You uh, apparently just look out the window and yell your kid to come in, but four-year-olds don't listen to parents, stupid. So no. you're uh, coming with us, little boy. Exactly. We're going to find you some good parents. Um, and then, you know, Richard Dreyfus has the, the meeting with the gray and then gets on the ship and goes and has a happily ever after. Uh, it was also weird that the Jillian character goes through all of this to get to the edge. And then when Richard Dreyfus goes in, she's like, I'm not ready yet. I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm just going to go like, wait, what? You just spent like three weeks getting here and you escape the government and you get right here, then you're just, you're just going to go. But she you got her kid back. back. She right. does come back. Yeah. But a little weird. Um, and yeah, so Richard Dreyfus goes off and we assume has uh, some joyous probing with uh, his new alien friends, which uh, I don't know what I, I don't know what I was supposed to learn from the film either. It was like, okay, so he went off and yeah, it seems like I'm sure he had a great time on the home planet, whatever that like. Like if you ever read any of these accounts of people that actually had close encounters of the third kind, uh, it never ends well. They end up with like 
cerebral hemorrhages and they die like three years later, or they have like uh, awful nightmares and they don't have a good night's sleep for the rest of their lives. Like, I don't know. It just, it's, it seemed very weird that that was the end was he goes and, and it's mysteriously beautiful, even though like, it doesn't seem like that ever happens uh, in, in this reality. I don't know. Fair. Yeah. It was pretty dull. If you were for the power company in Indiana, wouldn't you want to get the fuck out of Dodge too? <laughs> okay, I, fair. I was born in Indianapolis. And, so was uh, I. No shit. Were you really? I really was. I moved when I was three. That's cool. We moved when I was three. We lived in Carmel. Okay. And, uh, they probably did you guys just become best friends? Yeah, we I think have. we did. We, <laughs> we lived in. We Carmel. already were. Trick question. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they saw me play basketball and they asked me to leave the state. So. <laughs> you mean you're not wearing a, a, an Isaiah Thomas IU jersey? You fucking traitor piece of shit. Leave. Oh my gosh, I'm the worst basketball player <laughs> yeah. on the planet. I know you're white. So are we, and we suck too. Right. It's true. All right. So wrap it up here. What do you got for a scale? One a score one to ten. Um, like I said, I it's not the worst movie in the world. Uh it's just super dull and disparate and sort of grating. Uh, I would give it a five and a half. Five and a half. Kevin Israel, fresh off the loss of Jonathan Majors on the uh Kang the Conqueror thread here. Recast him. Yeah, recast him. I think they just might a little just, scrap that. Just that just, re, just just recast. I mean, they set up a whole storyline as he could just be a very anyway. Anyway, anyway. Aside from <laughs> we'll go to the nerd wormhole. So, like yeah, gonna, I have so many thoughts about majors. Anyhow, uh, but he is a great man doing great things for his culture and his community. And if you haven't heard the audio of him freaking out on his girlfriend, it's bananas. Anyhow, I have not, I have not but I will definitely Google I, later. Google it. It's. 30 seconds of just insanity. And I wish I had the confidence to yell at somebody. I'm a great man. Um, <laughs> anyhow. Uh, yes. Close encounters of the third kind. I don't think I ever saw this movie all the way through. I thought I did. And then I watched it. The only thing I remembered about the movie was the monkey with the symbols, the pile <laughs> of <laughs> featured also in toy story three recently. Yeah. <laughs> The pile of potatoes and Richard Dreyfus walking onto the spaceship. That, that's all I remembered about the movie. I knew nothing else. So I felt like I was watching it for the first time. First of all, I want, as I was watching it, I was like, why is this called Close Encounters of the Third Kind? What's the second and first kind? Like, are there, is, are aliens the third kind and people are the first kind? Like, what is it? It turns out that UFO people who are into ufos say there's three types of encounters the first is where you just see something you see something that you think is a ufo the second account is where you uh, get photograph or video evidence of it and the third is where you actually have some kind of contact with a spaceship or alien and that's why he had a close encounter of the third kind and the I don't fourth know was created by j allen Hynek, who was a uh, astronomer from the uh, university of ohio you oh, better, there you go. You better be with a, with a name like that. And I guess the fourth, <laughs> the close encounter of the fourth kind is appearing on a supermarket tabloid. Oh, no, no. The fourth kind is. Yeah, I figured. Get, Too easy. So let's, let's, go, let's go a little differently with that one. <laughs> the fourth kind is, to, the fourth kind is to completion. Um, <laughs> Two fingers. I must have meant three. So this, this movie is, first of all, we just, we just, <laughs> I'm going to reference back. We just did Edge of Tomorrow. 
And the thing about this this movie, Close Encounters of the Third, Third Kind, you really can see how it impacted so many other science fiction movies and movies of the genre further down the line. Just through the music, the, the feeling, the sense of like we want to put a normal person in an outrageous situation and how would they respond Um and it 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 does a lot of that, but it also has. And I'm not enough of a of a a film snob or film educated to to really phrase this right. But it has that very 70s movie storytelling feel, where it's kind of sloppy, and it's like, ah, it doesn't matter. We're gonna stumble and bumble and jumble, and boom, the end. And you got kind of where it was going, right? Like we didn't need to fill in all that stuff. It feels like. I showrunners or producers have gotten much more tight in storytelling in a way. Now movies have gotten longer, but they've gotten very, they, they really focused on like, all right, a needs to lead to B needs to lead to C where in the seventies, it was just kind of like, yeah, what the fuck ever you'll figure it out. And here's the end. And that's just kind of how this movie feels like. It's like a bunch of shit happens. And then the end. But during all of that, Richard Dreyfus, I think, puts on a, a good performance as a guy who starts off as a normal guy and slowly goes insane. And by the way, hearkening back to my nemesis, um, The Shining, Richard Dreyfus does a much better job of being a normal guy who goes insane than Jack Nicholson does in The Shining, who's just a crazy guy who gets crazier. Oh, it's true. He's nuts in that first yeah. interview. Like yeah. Stark raving. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, so where's he going from here? Um, but so Richard, so, and, but this movie should have been called close encounters with Dyfus because mm. everybody in this movie is a terrible parent and it's just, it's just a, it's just a masterclass and how to be a shitty parent. You're, oh, you have a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Just leave your doors and windows open. Your four year old will figure it out. Like there's <laughs> just, oh, and you see the kid running out the, out, out, out into a field. Just scream his name. If I saw my two-year-old running out into a field, there I wouldn't be screaming his name. I'd be sprinting down the stairs and chase after him. He wouldn't have gotten. He wouldn't have had time to get to the mothership. I would have gotten that kid. Then you meet Mitch, Richard Dreyfus, who's married and has all these kids. They drive out to somewhere. He and his wife seem to have sex against a bush at some point, in front of the kids who are in the car, which is strange. And and then. He starts having all this this alien experience, and then he's like, "Ah, fuck my wife and family. I'm just gonna I'm gonna be into this new lady and the aliens. That's what I'm all about now." And building this crazy shit. And I get like like it got into his head. I do feel that it could have done, and and it, it, you know, to Chris's point, they could have done a better job or any job of explaining <laughs> what was going on in his head. Like, why was this? What was he hearing, seeing? What was this compulsion? to build this thing and why did he need to like why did he need to know to get there was it because the the aliens arrived and they release all of those people the pilots and the everybody which they also did kind of a shitty job explain you had to infer but that's who it was it was all the all the pilots and the people from long ago and so then i assume when all these alien ships were going around touching all these people and having these encounters they wanted to get a new batch of people i guess to take but why did they need more people? They figured like they figured out our biology with those other people and they came back. OK, and unaged. So it probably wasn't too bad of a deal. But what did they what more did they need from us? What were they trying to do? What was the what was the purpose of this? You, you never really you never really get that. You don't get why 
why this location? Why did they have to go there? Why did they tell these people that? There were just so many empty question, open questions, and just, just and and again, it's the part of the problem is we're looking at this from a 2023 movie expectation standpoint. When this was a revolutionary movie made, were released in 1977, where people had a very different view on movies and and what you got out of a movie. It was so, an uncultured palette. I would dare right. say, right, one hundred percent, and and that, so it's it's hard to say like ah, I suck. It didn't, and I didn't hate watching it. I I enjoy, I enjoyed it, especially knowing what came after this. It's like it's like getting to ride in a, in a Model T. Are you going to be like, oh, this is what I want to drive every day? No, but are you going to be like, wow, I get to drive a fucking Model T? Yeah, it's amazing because that led to every other car late. So this is this was this is really you know kind of a a, a watershed moment for science fiction and, and it's like alien or or et or you know any of those movies and clearly spielberg has a very very optimistic view of aliens he, <laughs> ET, these guys like none of them came like we, we just did edge of tomorrow and it's like aliens landed and they're fucking up shit spielberg's like aliens landing and they want to just hang out and be nice they're well, cool guys have you seen ai ai he does go a little dark with the yeah uh, with yeah, the yeah robots. but no aliens but the robots but yeah i, I, get, yeah. The, I get the idea yeah, he does. He does have the potential, but uh, and also, and then they. So you see the alien thing. The first alien that comes off looks like this tall, lanky thing, and it goes like it's like almost this Jesus moment where it lifts up its arms. But then all these little aliens come out who look like children and are like running around. And it's like, well, what are they like? Why are you? You're giving us this stuff, but not explaining any of it. And I don't. And I and I hate. And and the thing I hated about this podcast that I love <laughs> is that it makes me feel like I'm whining all the time. Like you got to spoon feed me. I'm stupid. And it's not that I'm stupid, but it's that if you're going to tell a story and you're going to want the re the viewer to infer things or to come to their own conclusions, well, you have to give them some information to, to, to create those conclusions. And this, and this story really didn't allow us to do that. It set up a, a, a really odd plot with this guy going crazy this lady who shows sort of shows up out of nowhere. Chris was dead on there. You get no backstory of her or what her situation is. You don't, and you know, not that you need to know everything about everybody, but when they're the two main characters, it's nice to have at least a little frame of reference. Like, is she divorced? Is her husband dead? Is a husband looking for her? Does anybody care? I think you're, I think you know, ran out. Goes, this, I think you ran out goes, this bitch can't fucking watch a kid while I'm gone for eight hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> or he ran out. He's like, I think she's got the kid. She seems pretty good. <laughs> I am. I'm looking for be the other worried. children she lost. Yeah. <laughs> What's her batting average? It can't be good. <laughs> we had six kids. Five of them got eaten by tigers. We're down to five. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> she'd be the best to play hungry, hungry hippos again. So she would smoke her every time. <laughs> it's you know, it's it was it was a. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed getting to watch it because I thought I had seen the whole thing, and clearly I hadn't. The the five tones is iconic, and it is it's it's also like in um, Independence Day, which Kevin referenced on the last episode. There's that scene where they have the helicopters and they flash the lights and they think they're going to talk to uh, the mothership, and the mothership's like, "Oh, sorry," and just blows up the helicopter. Yep. Like that, let like you see, you can go to certain, especially alien science fiction movies, and you can see little touches of this movie and how it influenced them. One of the things that I found super interesting, and it was just a weird coincidence, we had the subtitles on because I'm old and deaf. And <laughs> do you really have them on? Oh, wait, I have the subtitles on for everything. 
everything I, I, I watch. I, I, I understand. I understand Peaky Blinders or Guy Ritchie early films, sure, but really, I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Wow, God damn, age everything. is a motherfucker. Yeah, it sucks. But uh, at when they were when they were having the little music battle, which I thought was cool, the little going back and forth and going back and forth. At one point, they played a couple tones, and I was like. That's the Jaws ah, tone. And on the subtitles, on the subtitles, it says Jaws theme plays. Yeah. Wow. So some, somewhere. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't know if that was like official or if they were like, we used it. So we'll sneak it in. But it was that I thought that was I thought that was really cool. But, you know, it, it's a it's a movie that's going to live in in history and especially in this genre of science fiction alien movies by today's standard and by our expectation and storytelling it doesn't it doesn't do a lot for you but it does in as much as it also it also puts you in the position of like if this happened today like you see all these people like just standing around like watching these things fly around and everybody's like that's cool can you imagine if that happened to like everybody have their phones out there'd be like social media there'd be internet there'd be pages set up to it the the 24-hour media would be you know fox news would be like it's the liberals. They brought them down. And then and MSNBC would be like, oh, this is all Trump's fault. And like <laughs> everybody would be going crazy. Like and, and and but like in this in 77, everyone was just like, cool, man, it's fucking aliens. They're Simpler here. Time. Simpler and, times. And you just. Yeah. And you just well, it's, it's almost like it's. Yeah. And it's just it's almost like heartwarming. Like, oh, we once weren't just such raving assholes where everything had to be madness. But. <laughs> It was fine. I, I'll probably never watch it again. I probably will talk about it like I know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> I, I, I didn't hate watching it, but I saw a lot of opportunities probably to make a better movie, which I bet if you if you got Spielberg and sat him down to a real honest moment and said, like, what would you have done differently with this story? He'd probably, he'd probably start being like, blah, 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 and he would have made a completely different movie. But there was a lot of cool. I thought the stuff with the with the the planes that reappeared was kind of cool. That reminded me of a an episode of some other show that they did something like that with. I can't remember what it was, but there was some some cool features in it that I enjoyed. But you know, again, it was a little a little sparse in the way of plot and backstory and explanation. And I guess it just it didn't necessarily need to because look, it it would have made one point four billion dollars or whatever Kevin said. So so what do I know? I'm just a stupid guy in a be kind rewind T-shirt. Um, <laughs> but it it was it was fine. I I I want to give it a five five, but because I know how just important and significant of a movie is it, I'll give it a six. Oh, you're gonna yeah. get you want to you want to get bullied by the nerds. That's what yes. it is. Yes, yes, yes. You don't want to yep. get nerd rage against you. This was an absolute touchstone in our cultural history. How dare you have, shit on that? You. I have enough people against me. I don't need those people against me. <laughs> oh, we don't have no Hamas is not going on this podcast to try and attack you. Because will have to go through me first, pal. All right. Yeah. Uh, my Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com. Of course, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. If you just want to say hi or advertise with us, leave us that five-star rating, two or three-sentence review. I have so much fun doing this with Kevin Israel. Notes? What is worse? <laughs> the opening scene there in a sandstorm. What is worse, being snuck in a sandstorm, a snowstorm, or being the fucking – having that mom who just doesn't give a shit about her kids who runs outside – in the middle of a farmland. Those three things suck. <laughs>
for the record, I would say Sandstorm. That just got to suck. Ugh. Here's another movie trope that no one talks about anymore, but I do. Flicking the gauges to get things started. Have you ever flicked your gas gauge when you're out of gas? And presto, changeo! You can now make it to the Sunoco at the end of the street. That doesn't happen. 60% of the time, it works every Every time. time. I guarantee (laughs) that kid's parents with the monkey with the clapping symbols did not buy that for him. No parent wants to invite nonstop cacophony into their house. I guarantee it was an aunt or uncle or a kid who went to a birthday party and the parents were like, fuck that family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them who's boss. I'll show them for putting their fence on one eighteenth of my property line and bought that monkey with the clapping symbols. Oh, let's Kevin Israel stole my thunder. Let's get another. That doesn't happen moment on there moment out of the way the four-year-old or however old he is runs outside the mom calls him from an open two-story window and doesn't <laughs> move doesn't move my wife would have been like get your get your i'm not sure what she said get your ass out of here she doesn't, she doesn't talk like that but she would have yelled again and darted downstairs you ever see a kid a four-year-old halt on command me neither <laughs> She doesn't run after that kid. Not one iota of importance or urgency. It's, eh, I'll get there when I get there. That's that Indiana laissez-faire mentality, I guess. She lives in the middle of a goddamn cornfield. That kid is going to get lost faster than you can say eaten by a wolf. Let's be honest. (laughs) How old is this movie? I'll tell you how old. The McDonald's sign shows only 24 billion people served. That's how old this film is. Wow. It's now over 99. <laughs> Guys, that is a lot, a lot of diabetic amputations ago. Okay, let's <laughs> put that out there. Dreyfus having the alien encounter at the railroad scene, pretty cool. This has been echoed ad nauseum at every amusement park indoor ride. The shaking signs, the wind, the light, all that has been emulated a million times. This was the pioneer, folks, so don't say it copy anything. This is the reason why we have that stuff. Richard Richard Dreyfus is so I love this line, so you better fucking laugh. Richard Dreyfus is so disinterested in his wife and kids, I fully expect him to pull a Chris Benoit when the aliens invive. <laughs> That's an A plus you know, joke. You know. If it's an A plus <laughs> joke, if you didn't Google Chris Benoit and family. Wait a minute. <laughs> yep, that was pretty fucking dark. You're welcome. <laughs> Anyone else find it? Thank you for the secondary laughter. I appreciate that. I The back of the room laughs, as we, as we call it, Kevin Israel. <laughs> Anyone else find it weird that a bunch of hillbillies just sit there at their little waiting for the aliens arrive stations, just waving at a kid who's standing in the middle of a goddamn road and doing nothing? No. Hey, kid, you might want to come over here before you get run over. And then UFOs are zipping eight feet above them. Surprised they're not selling T-shirts right there at that stand saying on their shirts, we don't want aliens from above or running across our borders. <laughs> oh. Smart joke. This, uh, p- the parenting in this film is akin, I mean, this is the 70s, so I, I, we were both were born in 76, so we got the very tail end of that. This parenting style is akin to, is akin to smoking and blowing it in your kids' faces in a windows up car ride from here to Anaheim. 
That's it. And, well, is, and that car, and that car is a station wagon. Yeah, of course it is, with wood paneling on the side. <laughs> and seats. This is, this is as 70s parenting as the very end of the Bad News Bears when the manager, where the pitcher of the Yankees comes out, his dad's the manager, and the, and the dad slaps the shit out of his kid on the mound. And people just stop and don't say a word except the wife. No one else says shit. 45, wait a minute, let me do the math. They came out in 76, I'm 47. 47 years later, there would be a riot. And oh, that yeah. dad would be the shit beaten out of him. Bad News Bears, still one of the best uh, best sports films of all time. Fight me. Amen. The original, not that not that remake with Billy Bob Thornton horse Billy shit. Bob Thornton. Awful. Just like Indiana Jones 4 doesn't exist. Exactly. We can all admit that toll booth collectors are part of a prison work release program, period. How else can you explain... <laughs> Wanting to get a paycheck for sucking up carbon monoxide fumes for eight hours a day only for minimum wage. You've done fucked up if that's your job in life. This is true. That this and janitor true. at rest stops what? on the highway at a Roy Rogers or a uh, McDonald's. Thank you. What? What's? <laughs> I'm quasi proud of this joke. What signs do you think people would hold up now for aliens? especially in like San Francisco or other gay cities. I've had TV remotes in my ass. A probe ain't going to be shit. <laughs> I feel nothing for these main characters. Dreyfus is a man on a mission, but unlike Quint from Jaws, also a man on a mission, Dreyfus has zero, zero charm to him. The scientists are completely vanilla. I couldn't tell you anyone's name except there's a French guy. And, oh, yep. yeah, he decides to speak English about 18 seconds later in, which is why you never trust French people. And the and there was the other guy who looked like smaller Richard Dreyfus with a beard. Right. Yes. By the way, all these guys were probably 35 when they filmed it, but they, yeah. looked, 50, <laughs> but they looked 59. <laughs> Wait a minute. Sidebar. Because I, I rewatched uh, the Beverly Hills Cop 4 trailer. Here's a fun fact that's going to blow your socks off and make us feel better about ourselves. Gentlemen, ready? How old do you think the guy, his name is John Ashton, the actor, who played Taggart. How old was Taggart yeah. when he filmed Beverly Hills Cop 1? 73. <laughs> I want to I say he was, I want to say he was like 42, but I know it's going to be a lot younger than that. 37? Yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> he didn't look a day under fifty nine. Oh, I mean, I'm forty seven. Israel's forty seven. Like, God damn, we are Benjamin fucking Button compared to these seventies, eighties, man. Wow, kids, facial moisturizer, going to gym, working out, lifting, running, something. Yeah, but Christ, just don't yeah. drink a fifth of gin every hour on the hour. So this, true. This buildup had better be worth it. I wrote down because I haven't seen this in so long. I saw it once in film class, maybe once after that. But the buildup to get to this whole alien thing, I, this better be worth it. Finally, the the best scene is, is the aliens invading Barry's house. That is very well done. You get the dread. You get the invade. They're trying to come up through the floor grates in the fireplace and this and that. I was I was all in on that. Felt some scared. I was felt scared for the kid. During the military debriefing, the military guy says 7 billion pictures are taken every year of UFOs. And if that was 2023, 7 billion photos taken of chicken parma sandwiches by 7 billion jerk-offs. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would hit. 
One of those hillbillies at the town meeting looked like Robert Duvall. I Googled. It's not him. <laughs> but you know who's in this? Lance Herricks, Henriksen from the original droid from Alien. Yep. You've seen him in a million <laughs> things. Look up Lance oh, Herricks. Yeah. You'll yeah, know who I'm know. talking about. Yeah, he's great. We By the way, the other Richard Dreyfus looking guy is Bob Balaban, who's like a huge character actor. Look at him. I mean, he's he's got 150 credits on IMDb. Yeah. But appreciate, yeah. Appreciate the heads up. You bet. We should have seen the full scene when Dreyfus started throwing dirt and plants into the kitchen window. The real story, we Dreyfus yelling, and I never liked your bushes, your shrubs, and your mother-in-law. You take that shit with you. <laughs> The astronauts looked like the East German swim team. I can't wait to the next scene where they shave each other's bodies down before getting onto the shuttle. That's good stuff. Thank you. See, smart jokes. I got to be right for crackle. God damn it. Let's go. Right. Get on it. The mountain of mashed potatoes scene. I could not be more underwhelmed than what it was. So he made a mountain out of mashed potatoes. So what? I pooped a capital letter B. Yeah, top that, Spielberg. Pixar didn't happen. A true story. It hundred percent is, and I had a hard and I had an actual photo to get my buddy Terry, who has it somewhere, and he won't give it back to me because it's so perfect. (laughs) He 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 declares, he goes, "You had to manipulate with that your hand." I said, "No way, I'm not touching poop. That's disgusting." Uh, You guys are lying. You guys are lying to my face. If you tell me that when they were watching, when Dreyfus wakes up and sees his kids watching. Daffy Duck and Marvin the Martian, you did not immediately smile. I know I did. I go, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yep. This, those cartoons, my daughter now is fully on board with Bugs Bunny. Not a fan of Speedy Gonzalez, but loves Bugs I never, Bunny. I never liked Speedy. You didn't? I did. No. No? Okay. No, I was All not right. a fan either. Speedy was fun. It's, it's, the hierarchy is as follows. It's Bugs, 1A. And then you got 1B, 1C are interchangeable. Daffy and Yosemite Sam. And then Daffy hysterical. Love Daffy. My fa- yeah. oh, and, uh, and I'll shout it out now. Favorite Looney Tunes episode ever. Robin Hood, Bugs, and Daffy Duck. It's a great one. Mine's oh, ha, ha. Ducks- oh, ha, ha. Dodge, spin, parry, turn, hot, thrust, spin. Ha. <laughs> yeah, Beat yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And second tier, of course, Roadrunner and Coyote. Yes. That's it. All right. Brilliant. Anyone want to try and fight uphill in this battle? No? Didn't fucking think so. I paused this film to go look up my credit card bill so I could finish my expense report from work. That's how vested I am in this film. <laughs> yep. Wouldn't it be funny if that when that army is chasing Dreyfus and those two other people that I forgot their names, they start making t- booby traps like Rambo did in First Blood? That'll spice in the film up. <laughs> they drew First Blood, sir, not me. Holy shit, you guys didn't mention this. Apollo Creed is in this movie. What? Yes, he is the, yes. Yes. the he's, he's the guard. He's the guard yeah. when Drivers goes up to him. And he should have told uh, Drivers, ain't going to be a rematch. Fuck, I would have loved that. Fuck. <laughs> That's awesome. This movie feels like... And, it's, wa- and he's gigantic. Yeah, he is. Well, either he's, that or Drivers is that short. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's just, it just such an odd like casting. Like He's such a dynamic-looking guy and so like just physically impressive and imposing. And they just put him in this like throwaway part as a guard. And it, here's the ironic part. Rocky came out in 76. This was filmed in 70. This was came out in 77. So that means Rocky was about to come out or had just come out. And Apollo Creed's like, fuck. 
I mean, he needed the work, I'm sure, because he didn't know how Rocky was going to turn out. But people are like, wait a minute, that's Apollo Creed doing a three-minute bit or after the fact? Yeah. And then he's in Predator. Dylan, you son of a bitch. All right. This Go movie. Yeah. This movie feels like I you're did. watching. <laughs> you're, this movie feels like you're watching a show at Disney's Epcot. It had, it has that mission to space feel, and I can smell the recycled air from 1979. And let me tell you, I'm here for it. And by the way, going back to Disney World in a few months with the kid, and I said we're going to Space Mountain. I'm going to go to over and over and over so I can again inhale that recycled 1979, 1980 air, and just be. <sighs> it's times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tone is the obviously most. It has to be top five iconic themes, tones, and film history. But is anyone over the age of 30 recognizing this tone? No. No one is, no one, no one is citing this film in recent history as a classic. Nope. This film has been imitated so many times. Israel, you nailed it. As a serious sci film. I'm, talk I'm not talking about green lasers and aliens and shit like that. Have any newer alien arrival films even matched the iconicism? Is that a word? If it isn't, I made it up, patent pending. Has any recent film matched this level of iconic nature as this did? I, there's nothing. Everything's no. what contact with Jodie Foster. I thought that sucked. Arrival, arrival, another one. I thought that was all right. That was okay. People went nuts over that. It was. I was not impressed. But there's not there's not been like a serious alien arrival film where people are like holy shit this is in the same conversation as Close Encounters. Hey, nothing like sneaking inside a military base with three alien ships and then saying, "Hey, you know what? This is the perfect time to start making out." Right? <laughs> Where'd that come from? You're chased. You're so getting chased weird. by the by the army. You're doing this and that. And you're like, oh, look at these space shells. Let me get that tongue in my mouth. Meow. Wait, just just wait till those two start moving into and they move in together. And then he starts throwing dirt and plants into her open kitchen window. Not so charming now, is it? No. Oh, good. Now we have a Boston Pops jam session with them battle rapping that tone back and forth. Can we fast forward? Yes, we can. And I did. And I said, how cute is it that Spielberg snuck a few notes of Jaws in there? Because I picked that shit right up. Apparently, you can spot a shark in the lights of the mothership somewhere. I wasn't able to do that, but I did see it on a few fan sites <laughs> that is some wizard of oz dark side of the moon horse shit yeah. i'm not going to imbibe in <laughs> hanging midget <laughs> richard dreyfus took his ass right on that spaceship and didn't give a singular fuck about his wife and kids left behind nope <laughs> never underestimate how a wife and kids can drive you to intergalactic deadbeat dad territory right ah. Bye -bye. Didn't care about him in the beginning of the film. Yeah. Why should he care at the end? Yeah. Not even a bye, honey. I'm about to become a National Enquirer headline. But the, the good news for him is he's going to come back in like 40 years, the same age. Right. His wife's going to be dead and his kids are all going to be like 46. Right. And his, his kids be damaged and broken. <laughs> Here's another one I really liked. The alien coming off the ship looked like Britney Spears when she shaved her head and attacked the car with an umbrella. <laughs> In summary, this is a film I know I'm supposed to reflexively love. I couldn't have been more bored. The director's cut 
must have been a great way to toe the line of the Geneva Convention violation. Another 40 minutes of them going to Devil's Tower? No thanks. Maybe if we saw him return from the alien trip, or do we see his ex-wife sadly giving a lap dance while the kids are at home breaking shit because that's how she has to make ends meet? Look, this is well shot, especially for 1977, but God damn it, I couldn't give a rusty fuck about the plot, characters, nothing. I understand why it's a huge phenomenon. This does not hold up. I saw it younger. I go, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I understand the cultural significance, and I appreciate for what it did, but holy shit, I didn't like it then. I'm equally bored now. All the key scenes in the aliens with the aliens in the house, the Dreyfus in the truck are pedestrian. Like, yeah, for 77, they're great. I get that. I ask you this. What grabbed you? What scenes or whatever moments grabbed you by the brain or the heartstrings? None. We all, because in Spielberg being Spielberg, and again, this is a lot of this because we have a lot more films under his belt by now. We all know that little boy was going to be A-OK. I completely forgot about the World War II pilots coming off. I go, oh, shit, that's right. That's the whole <laughs> reason we're fucking here. I didn't hate this, but it was an absolute chore to watch. I paused it at least twice. I go, I got I to gotta move. I'm going to, I've forgotten everything about this film. I watched it on Friday already. I will never watch it again. 35 more minutes of director's cut. Oh, please. I'd rather do another colonoscopy prep than watch this shit. Four, <laughs> four out of 10. And wow. that, is, I, that is all for the impact that it had. But again, no one's rewatching this again. No one's talking about it still. And those are my key arguments why Chris is right. Wow. But but you know you know the douchebaggery is going to come through on this one. Critics five star reviews. Of course, the film has retained some of the wonder and bafflement we feel when we first go into planetarium. We ooh and ah at the vastness and at the beauty of the mystery. I had more fun in our planetarium that was blown up in the gym <laughs> than this film. That was an '80s moment that none of these kids will ever be able to appreciate. Because when you saw that planetarium blown up one day, you're like, oh, "Yes, that in the bookmobile." Next one. Oh, best. My, my daughter. My yes. My by the way, my brother-in-law works for Scholastic. I go, how do you overcharge four dollars a book when I can get it on Amazon cheaper? <laughs> uh. Answer: Clifford the Big Red Dog solves a lot of uh, financial problems. A film of incredible power and intensity. It is also an, an ultimately reassuring. Reassuring of what? What? Yeah. We're not learning anything. We're not like, oh, aliens are nice. Oh, okay. Good. It's a big old mess of a movie, but an extremely lovable one. How? All the characters. What? The kid? The kid? Dreyfus is an asshole. It's interesting to watch a journey of a madman, but are we really embracing him? Israel, you love development. I know that. He went for the, you know, it was a diary of a madman watching it unfold in action. But other than that, yeah. the film moved, challenged, and provoked me. Okay. <laughs> sure. Critics, one-star reviews. Little more than a generic sci-fi episode constructed and designed with enthusiasm and scope of something better suited for television. <laughs> I've seen, yeah, better episodes of Nova. Right, fellas? <laughs> Nova. Another... Another deep pull. A pseudo-mystical story that turns out to be boring, poorly constructed, and too long. Amen. I pause this at least four times and go, how much longer? How much longer? 
Never a good sign. Alas, beneath the visual hanky-panky stretches a thin, hackneyed plot that was done to death in the sci-fi magazines and third-rate film of the 50s. Uh, I don't know about that. Amazon five-star reviews. My favorite, signed Randy Quaid. <laughs> From Canada. Yeah. Yeah. LOL, it is free on Tubi this week. Watched, watched again. Nice. Thanks. Why was he laughing out loud? I... <laughs> because dumb people do that when they don't have anything to say. They want to break up the monotony of silence and have some kind of sound come out to not sound dumb. But too late. Next one. Been a long time since I saw this last, but good memories. I'm surprised that it was PG, but we gave it a try with my kids that like scary stuff. It had a few vulgar, vulgar words I did not wish my kid to hear. A reference to Santa Claus not being real parentheses, during the military boardroom meeting. But otherwise, I was okay with my kids, six and nine, watching this, six and nine. You sly fuck. I am picky uh-huh. on the movies that watch this, so it's nice to find some older movies made for grown-ups that aren't incredibly vulgar as movies today. Signed, oh Dion. my. <laughs> I knew it. Signed, Dion Sanders. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Amazon, one-star reviews. One-star reviews. Some UFOs fly over and plant a picture of a hill in this guy's mind. He has a manic episode that lasts through the whole movie. The mothership plays some musical notes, drops a, drops a bunch of missing people, and leaves. If you like a if you like a lot of hype and a lame ending, you might enjoy it. Signed, Stephen Hawking. Well, that's the voice of expertise right there. You go. May have been good in those times when Spielberg was a baby, but now just boring and childish. If you want real and futuristic fundamental sci-fi, get your hands on. 2001 a space odyssey and i robot and look nowhere else in those decades i robot really i'm waiting for kevin israel to grimace a 2001 a space odyssey because that film uh. fucking sucks Use or the only next one, the only POC in this movie, person of color, for those of you who don't know your acronyms, are garbage collectors and subordinates. The only woman in this movie is bra- or the, sorry, the only women in this movie are brawless and dense. Pass. Ah, another asshole with a checklist and agenda and watching films. Good to hear. <laughs> the last one I think nails it. It's a little long, so bear with me. The film is boring. In 77, those special effects with all those electronics activating themselves and the giant spaceship coming down must have been earth-shattering, but now it is viewed as a slow, disjointed mess. I know the guy playing the Frenchman is a legendary director, but having the character be French means nothing and is especially confusing to follow. Why is a French UFO hunter investigating missing American World War II planes? What? It goes on. From as the we transition from one drawn out scene to the next, the characters are all flat. Dreyfus is underwhelming, and after his encounter, he has visions which cause his wife and family to split. I never cared for any of the characters, they were one dimensional and stereotypical. It goes on way too long. This is a slow and prodding film with no rhyme or reason that just doesn't hold up. Save yourself two and a half hours and skip this. After Jaws, Spielberg was the it boy, and they gave him carte blanche, and he gave them an alien encounter movie. He did much better with E.T., but this one, not so much. Signed, Christopher Nolan. I totally agree with the point that the guy didn't need to be French, and I didn't understand what – it didn't bring anything to the story. They didn't even reference like, oh, well, the French have a better UFO department than we do or any – nothing. It was just – a, an a added length to the movie because they had to be translating what he was saying. 
Is that with those? He's French and has an accent, so he's better than us Americans. Moment. Yes, I think that's actually absolutely what it was. So it was based on a real guy who was right. French in real life, but who cares? Change it. Right. Yeah, John Q. Public is not going to understand that tie-in one bit whatsoever. No. Thank you. They know Jacques Cousteau from France. They know Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> they don't know fucking this asshole's name. I can't obviously don't know. And now it's time to find out who's funnier, ChatGPT or me. Why don't aliens ever play hide and seek? Because God, because in close encounters of the third kind, they always want to be found. Oh boy! <laughs> if my slide whistle worked on this mic without the tuner fading it out, it would be played right now. How do you communicate with musical aliens? You just have to be in touch with their signals. They're out of this world. Ooh. Why did the alien apply for a job at the music store? Because he had a knack for playing close, close encounters of the chord kind. Yeah, we just tried. That was an effort. I mean, can we just revoke their alien green card on that? All right. <laughs> Please. Kevin Israel, did Chris Woolsey got the sacred cow? I think he did. I think uh, I think he pointed out a lot of the weaknesses in this movie um, that is so revered, and uh, I think we I think we all did a, a job of taking it down a notch or two. Kevin, possibly three or four notches. So <laughs> I, I I I would give him the gutting. Yeah, this was a Jordan to Pippen to Robin 98 Bulls kind of just three-prong attack here on all, all, all of our ends. I agree. Yes. I give the gutting as well. So, yes, this film is indeed and always has been overrated. So there you go, Chris Woolsey. Take a, you can take that to the bank, the blood bank, Senator. Oh, hard to kill reference. <laughs> how, how'd I sneak that in there? Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, Chris Woolsey. Thanks again for jumping on here, pal. We'll see everybody next time. Avita Zen. Well, hello, hello. Take number seven. I wish I was kidding. What's up, guys and girls? Kevin Goatee here. We're going to talk special announcement. What's that special announcement? Well, four years plus, 200 episodes plus, thousands and thousands and thousands of laughs. So many Amazon five and one star reviews. We just goof all at critics five star reviews. That doesn't happen. All those things. Wow. Cannot thank you enough for being a part of our family every week for an hour and change. Means the world to Kevin Israel and I. What's this, What's going on? Well, this podcast is going to take an indefinite hiatus. Why? Well, number one, I'm working on a movie-themed game show. Yeah. I need to do that full-time. Not full-time. I still have to work my stupid corporate America day job. But... That's going to require all the time that it takes for me to, you know, watch a movie, find a, a guest host if Kevin Israel can't do it, make notes, write jokes, find all those reviews that we marvel at. All that stuff is a Sisyphean task every single week, guys. And the reason why it's coming down to that, like I said, movie theme game show, but, you know, all that work adds up and, you know, the downloads and views have been pretty good. It's just not enough where I can say, all right, let's now we're in fourth gear and we're getting all these advertisers hitting us up to make this a, a quasi or even full-time job or even a podcast agency to do all the dirty behind-the-scenes work like social media, which really sucks. It's a pain in the ass how to do that stuff. The nonstop promotion, the tweeting, the sharing. It's just it's so much, and I got to use that time to try this movie theme game show. 
So thank you all for being part of our, our family every week. Kevin Israel and I have talked. We're going to do a couple more of the back-in-the-gutter chairs where we're going to pick a film that we both can't stand. But listen, thank you all. Thanks to Bill and Joanne for coming on all the time, doing the live show, having me on Morning Show. Love those two. The Lord Snurts Predictions, love that. Bango2331 recaps. Brandon Oglesby recaps. At Bex, Superfan Katie, Joe Loves Cam, all you guys. Uh, Zyphos, I'm going to shout. I'm, I'm going to be here all day if I do shout out, so I'm just going to cut it at five. You guys are all awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Like I said, we'll be back in some capacity. And I want to thank you all for the memories. We all had a ton of laughs. We watched a ton of films that. We thought we are going to hold up that didn't. A bunch of films that we did not want to watch and we're going to hate and we did hate. Or films we haven't seen. We're like, you know what? This is pretty good. Or films that were great and they still are great. Made a lot of friends along the way. Mike Price, oh my God. Thank you so much for being a, a fan and friend. Noodles of the Offspring. Anthony Cumia. Uh, Dave Landau. God. The list goes on. I'll be here all day. But the most important, again, to the fans... Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you to death. This means so much to me. Always meant so much to me. I will always look on with fond memories of doing this podcast. And again, if you're a podcast agency who wants to bring this podcast in-house, that way we could do it full-time or at least take all the bullshit behind-the-scenes work off of us, we're all ears. Trust me, Kevin Israel can't wait to quit his corporate job. Neither can I. If you're an advertiser, you're like, you know what, man? We got some serious bucks to throw your way to do it. Yeah, that'll make this Sisyphean task worth it. But listen... Until that day comes, we're just going to chill out. But in the meantime, it was worth the ride. And I, again, I cannot thank you all enough. It means the world to me. It always will mean the world to Kevin Israel as well. This was a great thing. And that's that. Love you guys. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.